You are listening to the Balkan Bread Podcast. This is a podcast created to connect to Yaspora worldwide by sharing each other's stories. Hi guys and welcome to another episode of the Balkan Bread podcast. My name's Amina and thank you guys so much for being here. So in case you're new here, this is a podcast where we talk about different issues, experiences, all kinds of things that are affecting the Balkan diaspora. So we've had a really good run of episodes lately and lately I've been trying to think of, you know, new topics and different things that we can talk about besides, you know, like dating diaspora and volunteering abroad. So I actually got an email in our inbox the other day, and it really piqued my interest because it was talking about Balkan weddings in the United States. So, you know, two Bosnians or two Croatians or two Serbians, however, you know, you want to put in the nationality, you know, getting married in the United States And what that looks like, because, you know, it's not really something that I've given too much thought. And, you know, after hearing her story, I was very intrigued just with everything that she went through, you know, in her engagement and then with planning the wedding. So with that being said, for today's episode, we are going to kind of dive in and talk about planning your wedding and, you know, just how to deal with, you know, both families and, you know, making sure that you stay true to what you want in your wedding, but also not trying to, you know, upset other people. And, you know, there's just a lot of things that go into it and there's a lot of chaos. But the point of this episode isn't necessarily to come from a negative, you know, standpoint and complain and say, oh, it was so hard and, you know, nobody could agree and, you know, I really am just glad that it's over and that kind of thing. You know, that's really not what we're trying to do. So I want to preface the episode by saying that we're coming from a completely positive, you know, viewpoint. And the whole point is to share this experience and give you guys advice. So, you know, if you are engaged or you're looking at, you know, planning your wedding very soon, these are some things that we think you should know and we think you should keep in mind and just consider when it comes to planning your wedding. So I'm really excited to kind of dive into this. It's not something that is talked about very much. So I think this is going to be very, very helpful, even if you, you know, aren't getting married soon, or maybe you have, you know, a sibling that's about to get married, definitely send them the link to this episode. It's going to be super helpful. So with that being said, I would like to welcome the person that actually sent me this email. So I'm going to welcome Yasmina to the podcast episode, and she's going to tell you a little bit more about herself as well as her engagement. Hi, Amina. Thank you so much, first of all, for even having me on the show. Um, I kind of want to start off by saying that during my wedding planning process, And I kind of told you this already when we've spoken before, but I was on Google looking for blogs. I was out there looking for anyone that had any advice on how to handle like Bosnian or Balkan weddings, just to have someone to turn to. So the whole reason why I had sent you the email was basically because I felt like it was so important to have people that have either gone through it or that are going through it, have someone to turn to or have something to kind of think about, which I think, like you said, will set a good tone for the rest of the wedding planning and even hopefully for the wedding day. So definitely thank you for having me on the show. Um, So a little bit about myself. Um, My name is Yasmina. I am 28 years old and I moved to the United States in 1995. I was only five years old when we moved here. So, I mean, I've grown up here practically my whole life. Um, I've definitely gone back to Bosnia several times. There was a period of time when I was working part-time. I would go back every summer for months at a time. So I tried to stay definitely connected to the culture, um, everything from reading and writing. Like, you definitely don't want to let that go. So I think the thing is, though, um, I think most people hate to admit 
this, but I will definitely openly say it because I always say it. Um, having grown up in the U.S. and and being here for over 20 something years, I've definitely become very accustomed to American culture and the American lifestyle. And that's even with going back to Bosnia and understanding how Bosnian traditions and the culture works. There's obviously stuff that I appreciate about this culture here. Um, growing up, my mom and my stepdad were always pretty strict, um, but I always gave them kind of things to, I think, I guess I would say to be proud of me, um, just to see that I was kind of more mature than what they expected to see from someone maybe my age. Um, and just to kind of show them that they had raised me right. So by the time that I had turned 21, um, I had obtained a full-time position as a program director at the YMCA in town. And that was definitely something that I was extremely proud of, but that was definitely something my parents were extremely proud of too. And I think giving them that, kind of showing them what I was capable of doing at such a young age, I feel like they became more relaxed as parents. Um, you know, even from, let's say, car shopping, like if I was dead set on a certain vehicle, um, they, they were supportive, you know? So th that was definitely great. And I think that was kind of life-changing for us just with our relationship and whatnot. Now, the thing is, Balkan parent, they're still going to be extremely opinionated. <laughs> um, I definitely think that's something that's not going to go away. So I'm sorry, I'm letting you all know that right now, your parents will continue being extremely opinionated even through this whole wedding planning process. Um, but my parents definitely, for the most part, allowed me to make my own decisions moving forward from that point, like I said, when our relationship kind of changed and whatnot. Now, um, my husband just turned 27 the other um, the other day, and him and his family moved to the United States in 2002. So prior to moving to the United States, um, they actually went to Germany after the war for a while. They were there for a few years. And then after living in Germany, <clears throat> excuse me, they ended up moving back to Bosnia. Um, so when they came to the U.S., they came straight from Bosnia over here. And his parents, just like 99% of Balkan parents, tend to be very strict. Um, I think the difference between maybe his parents and my parents is that his tend to focus a lot on respect. Um, so how you show them that respect, your actions, your words, your demeanor, um, that, that is definitely what they are, they are big on. So that's just a little bit about ourselves, just to give you an, a, like a background on how long we've been in the U.S. And obviously that could influence some of the wedding planning for anyone going through it. Definitely how long you've been in the U.S. and how much you've become, as much as people might not want to hear this, but how much you've become Americanized is definitely going to play a factor into your wedding planning. Absolutely. And, you know, there are different traditions and different things that you would want to incorporate in your wedding. You know, some things might be, you know, more American and then some things might be more, you know, traditional and Balkan. But that doesn't mean that you can't have both at your wedding, which is something that we're going to talk about a little bit or actually a lot of it in the next part of this episode but before we get into that um, I just wanted to ask how did he propose so um so I'll go back a little further just a little bit about our relationship um leading up to the engagement but we had actually been together for five years prior to that proposal um, and we had what I would consider a pretty unorthodox Balkan um, relationship because we had already been living together. Um, we actually probably about two years into our relationship ended up moving in together, which obviously was like a whole nother issue. Um, but it was something that we wanted to do and something that we worked through. Um, so we've been living together at this point for about three years. Um, we have a dog and a cat. So, I mean, like I said, even the dog thing, very unorthodox for what I think our parents expected out of us. But um, we we had gotten, maybe I should say I had gotten to the point where I felt like maybe I kind of jinxed myself by having us move in together. Um, because I thought at this point, what difference does it make if you get married? Like, what difference does it make having the last name? You know what I mean? Like, you're already committed. Right. Um so I had gotten to the point where I kind of like gave up and I even told my, my now husband, I said, you know, I just feel like this isn't going to happen. And I think I was probably annoying him a little bit. <laughs> so It's probably why it took a total of five years for him to propose. Um, 
but we actually went out on vacation. We went out to the West Coast and um, we kind of stopped at several places. We were in Vegas. We stopped at the Grand Canyon. Uh, we were in San Francisco, L.A. Well, the first night we got to L.A., he um, he said, hey, why don't we go watch the sunset at Malibu Beach? And I'm like, OK, sure. Like we're on the West Coast. Like you're not going to have these opportunities <laughs> very often. So we actually um, drove down to Malibu and we were on the beach and we were just kind of talking, watching the sun go down. And he, he said to me, as we're looking out at the sun, like setting over the water, he said to me, um, I've always dreamt of proposing to the right girl on a beach. And I immediately like get angry because I'm like, how could you say such, such a thing? You know what I mean? So I like hit him. And I turned to him. I'm like, that's so rude. And I realized he's holding a ring box. And at this point, I'm just like, oh, my God, this is happening. So he definitely, um, wow, he just completely surprised me. It was I, honestly a time when I least expected it. It's not like the first time we went on a vacation. Like, we always tend to go out and, and check out places and whatnot. So I just had no clue. Um, and then I found out, I thought it was kind of weird while we were on vacation that I wasn't hearing from my sisters. We have a very close relationship. I found out when I called them that they decided not to talk to me because they were afraid that they would slip up. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> kind of give a little heads up of what was going on. So, yeah, it was a really exciting time. We called both uh, sets of parents and it was just very emotional, very exciting time for both of us. Oh, that's so sweet. And I, I love that. I mean, the West Coast and then California and the beach, I think you can't really go wrong with that kind of setup. So and it's always nice when you know, maybe of course, you had thought about it, but like you weren't really expecting it that you know, like you were surprised, right. which is super nice. So that's really sweet. And with the whole like living together thing and like how you're saying that you think you jinxed yourself or something, I don't think so because, and this is just my personal viewpoint. I mean, no one by any means has to believe this or go along with it. Who knows what I'll end up doing, but I think living together like before you get married is good because it's like you really there's two things it's like living with someone and traveling with them and I think if you don't do you know at least one of those things like before you get married then I personally like I don't think I could marry the person just because I feel like I wouldn't really know them and you know know their habits and things like that so I don't think you jinx yourself I think that's understandable of course coming from like a more you know traditional standpoint and things like that you know if that's something that you would rather save for when you get married. I can also understand that too, but um, that's just my personal opinion. So yeah, after you guys, you know, got engaged and all of that, you know, how did you start with the wedding, like planning process? So when he had proposed, we had, we still had several days of our trip um, left. So that was kind of an exciting time for me, but it also kept me up every single night, you know, on Pinterest, pinning stuff and whatnot. But it kind of gave us a couple of days just to talk about a few things that we kind of envisioned um, and whatnot. But when we finally got back home from vacation, um, the first thing we did was we visited my fiance's parents. Um, and the thing is just with my parents and especially like my mom, um, she's not very like when we go back to that respect thing, my mom is not big on, you have to come see me this many times, or you have to call me on these occasions. Like we just have, um, what I'm going to call it, uh, like a genuine relationship, almost like that best friend that you don't have to talk to every day. But when you do talk to them, you just pick up where you left off on. So for us, it was definitely very important that we showed like his parents that respect when we got back to go meet with them and kind of tell them what our vision was for the wedding. Um, so I remember we were sitting down um, basically for like brunch at their dining room table. And we were talking about, um, what our vision was for the wedding. And from the very beginning, my now husband and I, we talked about having basically like a smaller wedding. Um, in our mind, when we first started planning this, we were talking about 60 to 70 people, 60 to 70 of the closest people to us. Now that was already kind of, um, 
I'm going to say unorthodox for a Balkan wedding because I think Balkan weddings tend to be, you need to invite everyone as a, a sign of respect to everyone. So your neighbors, um, friends of friends, someone that you might've seen the Cielo or something like that. Like you just extend that invitation. Well, we didn't want that. We wanted it to be more of an intimate setting. We wanted, um, like our families have been around each other quite a bit. Um, the Balkan community here in town is, um, like pretty much everyone knows everyone. So we definitely wanted to set that mood where almost everyone knew everyone and it was just comfortable instead of you don't know 200 of the 500 people that you've invited, you know? Um, so that was our vision, definitely around 60 to 70 people. Um, it seemed like, honestly, it seemed like from that conversation that his parents were on board and we were just excited to, at that point, um, start like looking at venues. That was kind of our, our other thing is we were giving ourselves 13 months before we were getting married. Um, but the way like venues go, sometimes people are scheduling these venues and booking them two years in advance. So we definitely wanted to get started on that. Um, and then I don't know if this is so much a cultural thing, but I did realize that like, I, I think with the, uh, older generation that I've seen here, the Balkan generation, they tend to take their time with things. Mm -hmm. So for me, maybe it was excitement. Maybe it was whatever it was, but I felt like, okay, we need to go book the venue. We need to go reserve this. We need to get the photographer. We need to get the bakery set. I felt like we needed to try to do all that as soon as possible. Whereas like I was kind of getting some resistancy of slow down. Why are you moving so fast? Mm. So again, I don't know if that was a cultural thing or not. I'm thinking it might be because I think for the most part, Balkan people like to just enjoy their life and at least the older generation, I believe, tends to take things slow. Um, so I did convince um, everyone that it was time to start looking at venues. Um, and here's the thing, you know, that his parents are definitely more heavily involved in our lives. Um, so I already knew this was something that his mom would just be so excited about coming along with us and checking out the different venues with us. So I knew it would mean a lot to her for sure. Um, and, and of course you want to keep your family involved when you're, when you're planning your wedding. Um, so what I did was I also contacted my mom who unfortunately wasn't able to join us um, to go check out these four different venues that I had lined up. But it only ended up being the three of us. So my then fiance, myself, and then his mother. Um, so we went to four different venues. And here's the thing. Honestly, it only came down to two venues. And the two venues that we were interested in were completely different from one another. Um, the first one we looked at was a very rustic type of venue. Um, I mean, you're talking wood floors, you're talking wooden beans, you're talking wooden paneling. Um, the outside of it kind of looks like almost like a barn. Um, the outside of the area has like this cute uh, little park setting with a gazebo, just like a very intimate, casual type of setting. Um, and then there were two floors to that venue, but they rent those out separately. So the one that we were really interested in um, was the one that was upstairs. Mm -hmm. And then the other option that we had, that we basically had narrowed it down to was the Holiday Inn. Um, now, I'm, I'm gonna be serious. I know some people might be laughing at this point, but the Holiday Inn has very nice like conference rooms that are probably great for venues and whatnot. Um, it, it definitely was, going with the holiday in um it would have been more of like this elegant type of wedding where now you're just like you're just focusing so much on the decor and just kind of I almost felt like showing off type thing yes um, whereas the other venue the one that was casual was honestly how my husband and I my husband now and I are uh, we tend to be very casual people like sure. we're the type of people that if we're forced to put ourselves into, let's say, an elegant or classy or sophisticated occasion, it just doesn't feel right. Mm -hmm. It doesn't feel genuine. We're forcing it. Right. So you don't want, we did not want that on our wedding day. We wanted to be comfortable on our wedding day. And then obviously going back to that 60, 70 people, for us, when we're already thinking a small and intimate wedding like that, 
we're already thinking more casual. We're already wanting everyone to talk to each other and everyone to have a great time. Whereas I think when you change the environment a little bit, again, my personal opinion, there's people that love this, but um, my personal opinion was the atmosphere just wouldn't have been what we needed. Mm. Yeah. Oh. Like it would felt, I don't know, like you were saying, you didn't want to force anything, which is totally mm-hmm. understandable. And then almost like, I don't know, the word stiff, like is popping yeah. Like, you know, it just doesn't feel like everyone's like, you know, and, you know, I mean, you're going to dress up for the wedding anyway, but just standing there like in your suit or in like a really, really fancy dress or something and just people would feel uncomfortable. And I think that's not really the type of feeling that you would want on your wedding day. So and going along with, you know, the wedding venue that you really enjoyed with the like rustic feel and stuff. That's very like I live in Georgia and that's so common. I mean, a lot of people are want to have these kind of like, I don't know, almost like a country chic type of way, which it's not to say that it's going to be like redneck or anything. But it's, you know, it's something that's more intimate and just kind of delicate and you know you still have cute like I don't know like twinkly lights and just you know like sparklers and like cute little things like that and I don't think there's anything wrong with that and you know inviting 60 to 70 of you know your closest friends and family I think it's completely understandable I mean you want people to you know feel comfortable and talk to each other and you know just celebrate I mean it's a special day and inviting people that it's like oh, I haven't seen you in 10 years, but I just feel obligated because, you know, my mom or my dad or whoever said so kind of thing is kind of awkward. You know, it's like, oh, I haven't seen you, but here's my wedding. And if you want to have a really big wedding, then sure, like invite as many people as you want. But you also have to think about like the cost and all these other factors go into it. And at the end of the day, it's about celebrating your relationship and not so much about being really show offy. I don't know, at least for me. I feel like yeah. we're we're kind of on the same frequency with this so, whole thing. And you made a really good point about something. And that's this isn't even something I planned on touching on at all. But even the financial cost of weddings, okay? So when you're talking about having a 500-person wedding, that comes with a really pricey um, price tag. <laughs> that was But here's the thing. So the other thing of what we were going through at this time is we got engaged in, um, it was August when we got engaged. Uh We were living in a duplex at that time. Mm -hmm. Um, We were determined to start house hunting. Mm -hmm. So we already knew we had this huge upcoming expense in addition to the wedding. um, But it was something that we wanted. So for us, it didn't make sense to spend all this money Mm -hmm. on on a wedding that I feel like we wouldn't be comfortable in, um, where the environment wouldn't be what we want. Where honestly at the end of the day, and I hate to say this and I might get so much backlash for even saying this, but I think Balkan communities tend to be very judgmental and very, um, negative. And I think when you spend that much money on a wedding, the last thing you want, and I've heard this so many times from different weddings that people have like different Balkan weddings that people have attended. People have complained about the food. People have complained about the music. People have found absolutely everything to complain about. And I've seen people at weddings sit in the corner and just kind of like judging, honestly, it's what they're They're sitting there and they're just like looking around, trying to find things that they can complain, complain about. And that makes me sad. So why, why spend that much money to give people something else to complain about? Because honestly, if you're inviting the people that care about you and that you care about, they're not going to look for those flaws. They're going to be genuinely happy that they are there at this, this uh, ceremony Mm -hmm. for the two of you. You know what I mean? So that was huge for us is we're not going to waste our money on, on things like that when we've got other priorities basically. And that could be because we were already living together. I don't know. So that could be a little different for other people. Definitely. And yeah, like you were saying, you, and honestly, you can't please everyone at the end of the day. And we're trying not to stereotype all Balkan people, but there are going to be people who are like, so nitpicky and just like oh well this wasn't that good or you know whatever and it's just like are you kidding me kind of one of those moments but 
I mean, I totally get where you're coming from. Like, my parents never even actually had a wedding. So all of this is just, like, they're very, like, they're not about any of this, like, extravagant, like, type of stuff. Um, And, yeah, I think at the end of the day, you know, like you were saying, you guys wanted to get a house. And for me, like, I would want to save that money towards, like, the honeymoon or taking a really cool trip together. I would love to, like go to, I don't even know, Australia or New Zealand or, like, South Africa and just um, get, like, a van or, like, some type of, I don't even know, like, off-roading type of thing, do, like, a road trip and, you know, spend more money, like, on that rather than, like, a tablecloth or something, but so personal take on it some people want that some people don't we just happen to be the couple that didn't right exactly exactly and I think there's nothing wrong with it like either way you go about it but you know this is just the way that it ended up happening so going along with you know the venue and you obviously fell in love with that first one you guys looked at but you know what were I guess some of the concerns with it and like kind of just do like a quick comparison, I guess, with the holiday and and that and, you know, basically what everyone thought, you know, their opinions. So um, definitely, I think just even from talking about it, the rustic one um, was definitely the one that we wanted. That was the one that seemed to more fit who we were. Um, Now, one of the issues between the rustic venue and then the Holiday Inn was that this rustic venue has its own caterer and they were not going to allow outside food in. Now, we do have um, we do have a Bosnian restaurant in town, which we even tried to say, okay, what if they um, brought food? But of course, them having their own caterers, they said no, absolutely no outside food. Okay, so the rustic venue, right then and there, we weren't allowed to bring in any traditional meals. Mm-hmm. Um, now, the Holiday Inn, on the other hand, um, the guy that we were working with at the Holiday Inn, he was just amazing. And they have their own, like, chef and their own um, kitchen. But he basically said, yeah, we'll go ahead and allow the outside food. So, yes, you can have your yagni. Yes, you can have your pita. You can have whatever you want. Um So that, that was, I think, honestly, like a major difference for, uh, how this would be perceived by, let's say our parents. Um, we, my husband and I decided that we didn't want people having that obligation of making food for the wedding. I've seen it so many times before where the mothers of both of, um, both of the people getting married and the aunts and the strina and the grandmas, everyone just gets so tied up the last few days making stuff um, that they, I feel like they don't get to enjoy the wedding day. So after my um, husband and I were kind of talking about this during the wedding planning process. And we said, you know what, we don't want anyone to have that responsibility. We want everyone to be able to fully enjoy themselves. And we don't want anyone days before working on whether it's sweets, whether whatever it may be, we just wanted them to genuinely just have a great time. Um, We felt like we kind of owed that to them, that we were able to make these decisions, that we were able to make it less stressful for them, Um, even if it meant, you know, spending more money on food or whatever the case may be. That's fine. We're okay with that. We just want everyone to enjoy themselves. So that was basically what we decided. We decided that we could go one day without having pite without having yagne, without having (laughs) traditional Balkan meals. We felt we would be okay. (laughs) So um, what we did was we then called my fiance's mom to tell her which uh, venue we had chosen, which was the rustic one. Um, So she had concerns from the beginning and it wasn't just like the food, although definitely she was concerned about what would people think about not being able to have um, Bosnian food or not being able to have suho meso and this and that. And it was kind of one of those things where we kind of told her, okay, it'll be okay. Um, She was concerned about, uh, just what people would think. So that, that's the biggest thing that I'd kind of seen sometimes is you, you focus a lot on how you'll be perceived or what people will think versus just what is important at that time. Um, so we said, no, this is what we want. And then she said, okay, well just take some more time to think about it. Well, so we decided, okay, maybe we're just making a rash decision. Maybe we need to sit back and kind of think about this a little more. Well, a few days went by and we decided we wanted, wanted the rustic venue. Um, so what did we do? 
we went down to the venue, we signed the contract, paid our deposit, went to his parents' house to tell them. And the first thing the dad says is, so I guess I'm wearing cowboy boots. And it was like, oh my God, (laughs) I didn't even, I was just kind of floored. Like, I guess that's how he was perceiving this venue, that it was just, um, that it was country. It was redneck. Like you said earlier, that is how it was being perceived. And so this vision of this rustic country type uh, wedding is not something that they could grasp necessarily. Um, So to them, basically rustic weddings, they don't exist and they just shouldn't be considered. And so the thing is, I kind of, um, after the wedding, I kind of thought about this some more because I did, I've done a lot of reflecting on things that have happened, but I think what it is, is, um, you know, you move to another country, you lose everything that you've had in your homeland. You come here and you not only want to prove to yourselves, but you do want to prove to others that you've made something of yourself after being here all these years. And I really think sometimes that, and and I'm sure I'll upset some people by saying this, but I've seen so many Balkan weddings that are just, um, primarily focused on showing off or that are just about money that I I really didn't want that to be what our wedding was about. I wanted it to be about our commitment to one another and our close family and friends. Um, So that part was kind of a struggle, but I think later I was trying to understand what it was. And unfortunately, this is what I felt was the case. I had also actually even talked to one of my uh, friends who had gotten married less than a year before me. And I was asking her, I said, how did you get through this? And she mentioned that she wanted a barn wedding, um, like an actual barn. So ours was kind of more like this modern um, farmhouse type of barn where it still had everything um, patched up inside, I guess I could say. Hers was like a true barn and she wanted to get the tables in there and the chairs. And her um, father-in-law said, there's no way I'm paying for that. And so that was their ultimatum that they were given is if you do this, we will not pay for it because we disagree with what it should be. So I definitely think that was, um, that was kind of a huge thing was just the type of venue and the environment that it would create and in the vision that it would give for how serious I think is what it was for them, how serious you're taking your marriage. Right. Absolutely. And I mean, well, you guys put the, you know, deposit and everything down yourselves. So that's also another thing, which I think you wrote somewhere in this document, actually talking about, you know, paying for the things yourself, if you can, if you know, you're at the, um, you know, financial point where you're able to, because you're making that decision. Whereas if it's, you know, someone else's money, then you're going to feel more obligated to, you know, do what they want, which I'm not saying you guys weren't taking, you know, their considerations and opinions, you know, all of account because I definitely think you were but at the end of the day you know this is what you guys wanted to do I just think that could also be like a factor that you know maybe like with your friend and stuff like I don't know maybe that was the case or something and that could also influence how a lot of the decisions are made absolutely absolutely yeah so that was I guess the like kind of major roadblock that you guys faced and then I know there were a lot of other things that also were kind of controversial or just little things um, that, you know, maybe you guys wanted to do, you know, how we were talking about things like how you guys moved in together and stuff. Mm -hmm. And that may have been, you know, kind of unorthodox and stuff like that. And, you know, there were other things and other decisions that, you know, you wanted to make simply because, you know, that's like what you wanted and that's what you believed in. I don't think anyone should really question it too much, especially since, you know, it is your wedding day. But do you want to talk about, I guess, some of the other kind of roadblocks and things that people couldn't necessarily agree on? And then after that, we'll kind of go into, you know, what you guys ultimately ended up doing and just kind of give some advice to our listeners. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and one thing that I do just want to say is I, I don't necessarily feel that choosing the the venue or the the miscommunication around the venue was the biggest issue. It just happened to be the first. Um, and it was basically the first thing we started doing. So it just kind of set the tone for what the rest of the wedding planning would look like. Um, There are some things that I am going to leave out of the segment just for personal reasons, just to, you know what I mean? Um, 
So those tend to be some of the bigger issues, but I'm sure just with the advice we'll talk about at the end, people will know how to deal with these situations if they hopefully don't come across them, but if they do come across those. Um, But yeah, absolutely. So the, the venue again, first, first issue that kind of came up, but it just felt like moving forward, we couldn't make any right decision. And by right decision, I mean something that wasn't getting some sort of um, lashback from parents, pretty much. We had, um, or not even just parents, honestly, it became all family. Um, we had, we had a Stina that was basically upset that like her son wasn't asked to be the best man. And it was kind of one of those things where it's like, wait a minute, my husband asked his brother to be his best man. It was like, I was confused because there's nothing wrong with that. Well, guess what? You really should not have your siblings fulfill these roles in, from what I'm understanding in traditional Balkan um, culture. My guess is, I don't know necessarily why, my guess is maybe the financial impact that it has on the families, because you probably know, most people probably know when you have a kuma and kuma, they take on a lot of expenses. And I, that was another thing that I, I'm not a big fan of. I don't think they should take on these expenses. We, we came across that issue. Um, but we had my mother who was upset that we didn't want the Shariats Kovianchanya done at the Jamia. Um, we, we were still going to do the Shariats uh, Kovianchanya, but we were going to do it at my husband's parents' house. Shariats Kovianchanya is just, um, it's the religious wedding ceremony for, for Muslims. Um, my mom also was actually concerned about having a large group of Svatovi because she was like, why should we do this work? Now, keep in mind, my mom tends to be a little bit more, um, I'm going to say Americanized. Just she moved here when she was really young. She's also grown up here. So for her, it's like, man, why have this many Svatovi? We're going to have all this food at the, at the venue. Like why put in this much effort? Um, we were challenged on wanting a Bosnian DJ because you don't do DJs. You have to have a live singer. Um, so here's the thing. This is, this is honest to goodness who my husband and I are, but we love all types of, of Balkan music. So for us, you can't just have a singer come out and start singing Yala Brat or MC Stoyan. Like that just doesn't work for us. We, we wanted music in the form that it was. Um, we just thought it would be cleaner. We just thought it could be more, you could have more variety of songs that way. Um, uh, I mean, that's, me when I was reading just like the list that you sent me and when I came across this bullet point I was just like are you kidding me (laughs) like what the heck (laughs) I would be so upset because who the heck is gonna dance to like you know a bunch of like Naruna songs like I mean anything wrong with that and I think of course you want to have a few I mean it's a Bosnian wedding but for sure for sure to like actually dance to you know stuff that you jam out to in the car like kind of thing so well and then another thing that had actually come up when we started talking live singers is um there is a female singer in Chicago she's actually shot a video with someone pretty famous in the Balkan community and I was like oh my god I reached out to her she was interested and then I was like you can't have a girl sing at your wedding I was like excuse me well you can't how are you gonna have a girl sing the Narodna Musica from you know all these singers and I was just like okay So it was just that part was frustrating. Um, You know, even when we're talking about the photographer, videographer, you can't just hire a local photographer or videographer. We had to look for someone who happened to be Bosnian because they understood our traditions. So here we were, we found someone in Grand Rapids at the time. um, And I mean, you're talking an arm and a leg for what you're having to pay for these people to come to where we're at because you feel like you have to have this person who understands your tradition. Um, So it was kind of silly to me, but you know what? We put a deposit down. We did. We put a deposit down. We lost money on him later because we canceled. Um, But you know, the other thing is, so again, we're going through silly things now, but it's like every day was something new. So we were told we had to buy um, the matching burmet to wear on our right hand because, you know, that's how it's done. <laughs> um, my fiance at that time and I had talked about it and decided against it. We said, you know what? It, my biggest thing was I wanted a band to match my engagement ring. And that was what I was focused on. For me, if I'm living in the U.S., I, I wanted... Um, I, I wanted people here to know that I was married. Like what good would it do for me to wear a uh, ring on my right hand? If 
You know what I mean? So that's just how my mind works. That's not the right or wrong way to go about it. But that was kind of my thought process. And I wanted to do it a certain way. And he decided he wanted to wear it on his left hand. So again, more issues that we're running into. But just, I mean, you name it, we heard it. There was absolutely nothing that we could do right at this time. And it seriously all became too much. We were under so much stress during this time frame, And this is all in a matter. So let me try to um, kind of paint this picture for you. We got engaged in August, um, but it was the end of August. So probably September is when we started looking at those venues. Um, this is all happening from September till about January. Okay, so just in a few short months, all this wedding planning stuff that's coming up, all these conversations and all this. So we got to the point where we were just under so much stress and just could not enjoy our, our engagement. Um, I was just always fussy. I was always in a bad mood. In addition to that, every minute of every day has to do something with wedding planning, um, whether it's just talking about it or whether it's having an answer to someone else about what it is you're trying to do. We just finally had enough. And we sat down. So that was probably in January when we sat down and then we asked ourselves, is this what we want and what is actually important to us? So let's put everything else off to the side and let's talk about what we want. We may have forgotten to do that. So, you know, my fiance at the time made a good point. And he said to me, because we're talking Svatovi, right? Now, again, we're living together already. So he goes, what is the purpose of Svatovi? And this is something he had been so excited about. He had been talking about this. He was like, we're doing this. I don't care if we already live together. But then he said, what is seriously the purpose of us doing this? We already live in together. Why would we even like have you go to your mom's house that day and me go to my parents' house? Um, so it's just little things we're putting it together. We're like, why are we trying to keep some of these traditions just because we feel like we have to do them. And now we're trying to figure out a way to make it not seem awkward while we're doing them. Um, you know, so after just discussing everything, we agreed that what was more most important to us was our ceremony and not the party afterwards. So not the reception. Um, we weren't worried about like that. We were done with that. Um, we, we wanted our day to be special and just memorable. We wanted to spend it with those closest to us that meant the most to us. So our, our rule at that time became that if we hadn't spoken to you in the last year and we knew we weren't going to talk to you after the wedding for that amount of time, if not more, we weren't going to invite you. Oh my God. I know how untraditional, right? You can't do that. You just cannot, you can't set those kind of requirements on a Balkan wedding, but we did it right, wrong, or indifferent. That was the choice that we made. So that, that requirement that we set actually became even stricter later on when we decided we're only doing family and extremely close friends. Mm -hmm. um, so just moving forward, you know, once we discussed everything that we wanted, we decided that we wanted to pick a different venue. And so here, here's what happened. You know, we had already put our deposit down on the other venue, um, but it was just meant for a bigger party. It was meant for that 60 and 70 people uh, wedding that we were looking at. We were down now to less than 30 people. Okay. So, I mean, we completely changed what we were doing. So at this point, we decided that we were going to just lose out on that deposit. We were going to start fresh. Um, and, and, and yeah, and we were... We were completely over the traditional, uh, the, the traditions that we had to follow, the rules that we had to follow. We just at this point were, what do we want? And it sounds very selfish. It really does. I know it does. But we were just so beat down from the whole process that we said we're doing exactly what we want and no one is stopping us now. And I think you have to be selfish too, because you're getting pulled in like so many different directions and you're kind of you know, it makes the process, first of all, it's not fun anymore. And you're not even almost looking forward to your wedding day. And it shouldn't be like that at all. And you're getting pulled in so many different directions. And you're kind of losing sight of, you know, what is the quote, unquote, like, right thing to do? You know, like, what should I do? Like, is this acceptable? Is this, you know, but eventually, it comes down to, you know, what you and your husband wanted and I think you found it you were like okay well going through all of this kind of led us to where we are now and you know this is actually how we saw our wedding and this is what we wanted it to be and I love the rule that you came up with 
you know, if you hadn't seen or spoken to that person in a year, they weren't invited. And I think that's fair. Like, I don't see wrong with that. Honestly, I feel like that's a pretty fair rule. So um, where did you guys end up having the wedding? And how did everything go um, from that point on? So I'll just preface this with saying that I had no idea that things could get worse. Um, I really thought, I really felt so good after our conversation when what, with what we had decided that I was like, this is going to be the best decision ever. But here it is. So here's our crazy idea. Um, we decided, so we canceled our rustic venue. We decided we were having a beach wedding. Um, we actually decided to task my sister, my middle sister, who was going to be my kuma for the wedding um, or maid of honor. And she was home from college um, over the summer and she was not working. So we actually tasked her with planning the whole thing. And she's just awesome. So she was all excited about it. She called around to um, the beaches that we were looking at and she called asking about beach permits. She found us an officiant and believe it or not, it was an American officiant. We were okay with that. She found us a waterfront restaurant for a small reception afterwards. She found us the hotels we were going to stay at um, because it now became a weekend trip is what happened. So um, we no longer were doing a day trip. We knew this was going to require traveling. So we said, okay, here's what this is going to look like. We'll get there um, the day before. And then you will have like kind of like a family fun night, you know, just kind of go out, um, hang out, just relax. And then the next day was the wedding. And then Sunday would be brunch in the morning. And then everyone go there, um, their separate ways and we would stay there just to kind of take it all in. (laughs) Um, Okay. So the biggest issue with um, what we were doing at this point was that the only people that really knew the plans for the wedding at this point was my sister, my fiance at the time, and then myself. Um, So now we had to overcome how we were going to communicate this to everyone because now we're doing something completely untraditional and we completely changed the plans. So what people have now kind of um, almost become okay with, now we're just saying, no, we're not doing any of that. Um, My fiance ended up telling his parents and it seemed like everyone was on board with everything. At least that was kind of the impression that he got. Um, But we later found out that they were just kind of irate and word got back to us about how upset they were. Now, they did have reasons to be upset, um, which I'll kind of maybe go into a little bit later. Um, But let's just say that things at this point had just gotten out of control. So basically in January was when we decided that we're canceling the venue, the rustic venue we had already put money down on. That was when we decided to cancel the photographer, videographer. Um, But we did nothing with wedding planning from that time until probably about May or June timeframe. So we just weren't talking about it. And actually during that timeframe, when we decided not to do anything wedding related, we actually bought a house. So we were so focused on that and just working on the house that we just were kind of like, this is great. Not thinking about the wedding anymore, but here we are now two months before the wedding date. And we realized that, you know, we just don't have time to waste on people throwing fits at this point, regardless of who they were. I had to get things done. We had to move forward. I had to go and buy my wedding dress. Um, and I only had my youngest sister there and my little cousin there. Neither mom was present. The bridesmaids went, they all ordered their dresses. None of the moms were there. Um, we ended up getting our invitations designed and ordered. I mean, we were really trying to move as quickly as possible. And I knew at this point, I, I have to be honest, I knew at this point that what we were doing would upset people, um, especially like not being invited to try on dresses and, and stuff. Like, I think that probably would have been a huge moment for some people, but you have to understand that me mentally, and I think for my now husband mentally, we were over everything. We wanted the wedding to be over with, and we just wanted to move on with our lives. So, so much tension had built up, um, a month before the wedding and so much drama just unfolded that I could go on for like days about the obstacles we had to overcome. But there is a huge thing that I kind of left out through this whole thing in the midst of everything that we are going through. My mom and my stepdad actually split. So not only were we now dealing with the house with the wedding planning and all the drama going on with it, but now my mom and stepdad split and now she doesn't want them at the wedding. And I'm like, hold on, that's not how this is working. So I mean, again, 
argument after argument. So finally we, we get everyone pulled together and it's like, here it is. Here's what's going on. We got to talk about this. We got to air things out. So we actually sat down with his parents. Um, and like I said, we aired everything out. You know, I had actually found out that his mom at that time hadn't opened the invitation that we mailed to her at this point because she was upset that it came in the mail. So, and this is huge for me. And I think this is a huge point for anyone going through wedding planning to understand that like in our minds, we thought sending a wedding invitation, this is the most exciting piece of mail that anyone could receive, especially a parent. Okay. And again, it's not a shocker of what's going on at the wedding um, at this point. So now we know it's a beach wedding. Everyone knows now people are getting their invitations. So apparently this was extremely disrespectful. Okay. Like I said, a complete shocker to us. We were told that we were supposed to hand deliver our invitations. Okay. So I actually couldn't believe it. Um, I remember late in the evenings, a couple nights laying down in bed, I started Googling this. And honestly, if you do Google this, you will realize how big of a deal this is, at least in the Balkan community. Um, like I've seen on some of the posts, it was um, Serbians, it was Bosnians. I definitely know in those two communities that it was a huge deal. There were people that had 200 plus people they were inviting and they made an effort to go to everyone's house to invite them. Oh. To me, yeah. Yeah. Was- to me, that seemed crazy. Yeah, I did not know that was a thing, honestly. Wow. But how am I going to hand deliver something if you live, you know, halfway across the U.S.? Like, I'm not well, gonna- Now, here's the thing. So here's the thing. I did kind of read about that on, on, like I said, on Google and stuff. So there were exceptions made for people that lived further away. But now here's our thing. We only had um, my husband's grandma and um, his aunt to invite from out of state. Everyone else was basically local. So with us having such a small wedding party, could we like a small wedding? Could we have done it? We absolutely could have. Honestly, me now thinking about it, um, maybe we should have done that. I think maybe at that point, I mean, I remember my uncle calling me and, and saying, what am I supposed to wear? Like, how am I supposed to dress for this beach wedding? Do I wear shoes? Do I go barefoot? So I do think, especially with how unorthodox of a wedding we were having, maybe hand delivering these and saying, this is kind of what we're thinking. And this is how it's going to happen. Giving people that opportunity to ask us questions probably would have made more sense. So shame on us. But I had no idea. No one ever said this had to be done this way. (laughs) Like, it's different if they gave you a heads up and you're like, okay, you know, I'll make sure to do that. But amidst, you know, all the chaos and everything that was already happening, that's the last thing you're going to worry about. I mean, I would have made it. Like, absolutely. (laughs) So... At this point, it became funny, right? At this point, it was just like, holy cow, we can't do anything right. Like, like everything's just going so wrong. But you know what? After we had the conversation, um, heard his parents out, you know, I reminded my future in-laws that my fiance and, and I, my fiance at the time, and I were the ones making decisions for what we think is best for us. And I also had to honestly take that time to remind them that I've been in the U.S. for almost 24 years. So... You can't expect me to know, or you can't expect me to even want to on certain things, um, to follow those traditions. So I, you know, even with that, I, I thank them for raising my husband into the man that he is today. I reminded them, um, of what the day really was about and it was about us getting married. And so we had a great conversation. We've really had a great conversation that was long overdue. Um, we talked about all the wedding details and, Honestly, like at that point, they became so heavily involved with getting everything last minute done. I mean, my father-in-law built our um, arch that we were um, going to have on the beach. He built that. My mother-in-law did the bouquets. She called the bakery. I mean, at this point, it was like all hands on deck and it was so much appreciated. It really absolutely was. Yeah, it's like that's really beautiful and just a matter of communication and kind of getting everyone on the same page which is something that takes time because it is such a big deal and it's a lot to process but you know the whole thing that you were saying about how you lived here over 20 years you know of course it's not going to be all super traditional and stuff I think that goes really well with something that you wrote in your email which I'm just going to read which I thought was really great and I think it's something that 
everyone is thinking that's listening to this, but everyone is kind of like, no one's going to say this. So um, you said, I believe some people are genuinely scared about losing their Bosnian heritage. That's not something that can be lost. It always lives within you. And I just love that because, yeah, like, of course, you're living in a different country. And of course, you're, you know, have different ways of doing things. But at the end of the day, like, why are we so scared of, like, thinking that we're going to lose where we come from? Like, we're yeah. it's going to go away. Like, it's in your name. You know, it's in yeah. so many other things. And I think it's the perfect segue into talking a little bit more about those little details, you know, those how, like, did you incorporate some Bosnian traditions at your wedding? So on the day of the wedding, um, so this is how everything looked. We had 26 of the closest people um, to us that were there watching us exchange our personal vows on the beach. This was all done in English. Um, that evening, we celebrated in a private waterfront room Um we played Naruda Musica, we played Zabavna. We, I mean, honestly, we had a genuinely great time. We definitely tried to incorporate um, things that we enjoyed from a traditional standpoint. So like, here's a couple things that we did. Um, for us, we still pinned all the boutonnieres on all of our guests. So we still had our little cousins going around. Actually, it was, um, I can't remember it because I was upstairs. I can't remember if it was my cousin or my youngest sister going around. And, you know, people, as they're getting these boutonnieres pinned on them, they're throwing money into the basket. That was something that people actually thought was kind of cute. And it's all now done outside of the hotel mm -hmm. um, because that's kind of where we were going from we still decorated the cars. So essentially we had a small version of what we were calling the Svatovi on the way to the beach where we were going to get married. So everyone was leaving from the hotel um, and then down to the beach, except for the bridal party did break away for some pictures so that we could arrive later, but all the cars were decorated. I mean, 95%, honestly, 99% of our music was Balkan music and it was all sorts of variety of music. I mean, we had everything that would just hit the souls of our parents when those songs would come on, but even ours. And then, like I said, we still had Yalabrat. We still had uh, Maya Berovic. We still had everything that we enjoyed too. So, I mean, we got great comments um, after the wedding about how we did the music, just having it be older generation, younger generation. Um, we had special ordered uh, rakia for the venue. We had to make sure that they had rakia. We had the kolo um, playing numerous times. Um, we even had the restaurant that did like they had an appetizer table where they replicated like meza, like uh, with suho meso and sujuka and all that stuff and the cheeses. So we tried to do all these little things that we wanted, the, the cute things that we wanted that we felt like were something that would be appreciated. So we, we did. We we um, went ahead and did all that stuff. And I do want to just add on to what you read earlier about how I said you can't lose your, your heritage, you can't lose being Bosnian or being Balkan or, or Serbian or Croatian, you don't lose that. But I also just want to remind everyone that honestly, my husband and I always talk about how blessed we are to be able to look at the American culture and the Bosnian culture. And that we get to take what we like the most from both of those cultures and combine it into who we are and how we plan on raising our children at Kabogda one day and how we plan on living our life. That is huge. And people don't get that. Um, yeah. Like people don't have that option. You know what I mean? So that is just something we can't take for granted. So don't be afraid to take what you love or appreciate about a tradition in the American culture, like a father daughter dance. That's huge. If you love that, freaking do it. <laughs> yes. So just just do what you love about this stuff. Um, pick what what's going to make you happy. So I definitely wanted to say that because that's huge. It is huge. And that's something that I think we look at and, you know, where we feel like, oh, we have to be one or the other. But at the end of the day, you really don't. Like, you're both. I mean, yeah, they're totally. picking or choosing of sides. And um, I think that's really good advice. And it's kind of a good also segue into just the last part of the episode where I guess, what advice do you have for um, people who, you know, are going through this process and just like some things that you think they should know? 
So this is going to be based on what I learned during my wedding process that I really think would be beneficial for anyone going through the same situation. Um, I really do hope this helps people. But I, for me, the biggest thing is you have to be open from the very beginning with both sets of parents. So what you need to do is acknowledge up front that somewhere along the way, you will disagree. Anyone that thinks they won't is wrong. I'm sorry, somewhere down this road, you through this journey, you will disagree with your in-laws, whether it's about food, whether it's about your venue, remind them up front as you're having this conversation that this will happen and remind them that it'll be okay when this happens, but come up with a game plan of how the situation should be handled if you guys aren't agreeing on something. So is the couple going to have the ultimate decision? Um, to make of whatever they want, or is it the parents that are going to pay and they're going to ultimately make that decision? Just have that game plan up front because later you might be able to laugh about it and say, ah, see, I knew this was coming. I knew this day would come. Let's follow our game plan. That definitely to me is huge. Um, the other thing, and you touched on this earlier in the episode, but if you and your future spouse are financially capable, I would highly recommend for you to pay for the wedding. So this will ensure that the two of you will be the only ones responsible for making final decisions on what you guys want. So no one at this point can hold it over your head. Um, and, and you don't have to get approval of funds for any of the decisions you're making. I, I honestly would recommend that for anyone that can do it. Um, also, before beginning wedding planning, ask your fiance what is important to them on the wedding day and then tell them what's important to you. So make sure that you guys are completely on the same page, because if you guys start off on a bad page, it's going to be more challenging. I am so thankful that throughout this whole process, I had my husband to turn to and we could just sit there and I could just cry to him and just he knew what I was feeling. Mm -hmm. um, so definitely figure out what is important to the other to your partner. And then also ask both sets of parents, what is it that is important to them? It, is it important to them to have more people there? Is it important to have Bosnian and food? Um, but understand that at the end of the day, even if it's important to them, if you're completely against it, you may have to push back a little bit. So it's not an open invitation for the wedding to be what they want it to be. It's just to give you that understanding of what exactly it is that, that they care about. So try to respect that. Right. Um, the other thing is ask both sets of parents if there are any traditions that they feel completely like strongly about. So for example, the whole situation with um, the Sharia Skovianchanya, do, do any of the parents want to make sure that a Hoja marries you or that you're married in the church or whatever the case may be? Is it important that those invitations are hand delivered? You know, try, try to honor these wishes from the parents again, but don't allow them to dictate, dictate all aspects of the wedding. Um, and I've heard all sorts of different traditions from different parts of Bosnia. I mean, we've heard about it with the whole stealing the bride's tipila to the young, you know, kids sitting on the bride's lap as like a sign of fertility. I had a cousin in Sweden who through the wedding planning process was like something about kakoche anai vezati zetalan. And I was like, oh my God, no, you're not. Like, <laughs> I was like, okay, let's make sure because there, there are some traditions that when I was hearing them, I was like, oh my God, no, we can't do that. Yeah. So just understand what traditions are important to the parents. Because again, it really comes down to, I think what I found is um, the biggest issues you'll run into will be with the parents. Don't worry about everyone else. Don't worry about the Serena. Don't worry about the Tetke. Worry about the relationship you and your parents are having through this whole thing and the understanding between you guys. Um, ask the parents how involved they want to be. And honestly, you can ask even at this point, you can ask your tetke, your strina, how involved they want to be. So after, as I mentioned, after things had finally settled down for us, my mother-in-law and father-in-law became extremely involved. Um, you know, I mentioned the whole cake thing. She loves baking. She loves cake dec decorating. So I actually asked her to contact bakeries in the, in the city that we were getting married. And she did all the communication with the bakery. Um, I, I'm not picky about cake. 
I think all cake tastes great. I didn't care about the color. I mean, I had no, nothing that I thought had to be done a certain way. So that was a great way to make her feel that she was heavily involved. And it was something that I trusted her with. So if you have those opportunities and you know someone wants to be involved, allow them to be. They're not going to do any harm. And at the end of the day, you really can't do all the wedding planning stuff on your own. It's just not going to happen. Um, Remind yourself at the end of the day that everything is going to work out. So even through the months of hell that we had faced, our wedding was extremely memorable and it was such an emotional day. And I remember talking to my mother-in-law after the wedding on the phone. And I said to her, I said, we went through so much through this whole process. And I said, I hope that for my sisters and for my husband's brother, that it is so much easier for them because we, we fought so hard through this process and, and we showed our parents that it's okay and that it'll work out. And she agreed. She said, you know, we were against it for whatever reasons, but everything was just phenomenal. So just remind yourself, everything is going to be okay. Um, another one is definitely check in with your fiance from time to time, see how they're handling things. You know, maybe it's time for a date night and maybe you say during this date, we can't talk about wedding planning. Um, it really does take over your life. I mean, it seriously takes over your life in every aspect during these months of engagement. So if you're having a long engagement, I'm extremely sorry because I did it for 13 months. So I, I get it. And then last but not least, stay true to yourself. So remember at the end of the day that this wedding is about the marriage of two people and it's not about the reception and it's not about the party of two people. So plan a wedding that you will enjoy, something that you will remember and something that is, is you, that represents you. So I, I think with that advice, I mean, really a lot of it is just upfront being honest with everyone and being open with everyone and just knowing that everything will work, work out. Yeah, I think those are um, amazing tokens of advice. And I hope that everyone listening, you know, got something for that to take into account for your wedding day, or, you know, maybe you don't plan on getting married anytime soon. And that's okay, too. I think these are still really good things to know. And you brought up a lot of things that, you know, I wasn't aware of. So I definitely learned something from this, too, which is really valid. So I just want to give you a huge thank you for, you know, opening up about this. And like we mentioned in the beginning, you know, the idea wasn't to, come off and complain about things not going right because you know at the end of the day everything did work out and like you said it will always work out this was just to kind of paint a picture for you guys um and you know have her share her experience and just give advice and hopefully you know everything I mean everything is going to be okay it will be kind of maybe stressful at certain moments but you know that's all part of the process so thank you so much Yasmina for being on this episode I really appreciate it and I think our listeners got something out of this thank you so much for having me like I said I've definitely wanted to kind of get this off my chest for quite some time if there's anyone that is going through the stress of wedding planning right now and absolutely just needs someone to talk to I am by no means an expert at this I've only like done this once but if you need someone to talk to get in touch with Amina she'll get you in touch with me and we can absolutely just chat and whatever the case may be just to have someone to talk to who's gone through it and is willing to be open about it I think is helpful so thank you again Amina for everything for allowing me to do this this means so much yeah of course of course and I think it's important to use this platform in the best way possible and to really open up and share each other's stories because there are a lot of things that haven't been talked about and you know I think if you do need someone to talk to then you are the person to talk to seriously I feel like you've been through so much so with that being said thank you guys for sticking around and listening to this podcast episode as always if you are interested in being featured on an upcoming episode or maybe you just have an idea for something that we should talk about you can send an email to hello like the word hello at balkanbread.com with the subject line podcast so with that being said thank you guys again for listening and we will see you next week bye guys <laughs>